You know, as uh, Jimmy Fallon says, we all have uh, pet peeves that can annoy us. Uh, we have things that just push our buttons. People sometimes do things that just make us mad, and it affects our relationships with one another. So what do you do with the anger you feel? Several years ago, came time in our family to buy my son a car so he could drive himself to and from high school. And so we went down to uh, the car dealership, a car dealership in Colorado Springs, to get our feet wet. We weren't on the lot very long before a salesman came up and asked if he could show us a new car. Uh, I explained to him I wasn't interested in a new car. I was interested in a used car for my son Daniel. So he took us over to the used car lot, and he began to show us some slightly used cars. After a minute or two, I realized I needed to clarify. I told him I wasn't interested in a slightly used car. I was more interested in a used car that had a little more use to it. I said, like one that had damage to the outside. And so, um, as I was um, telling him that, I knew I needed to explain. So I said, you know... I, I don't want my son coming home one day with a big dent in the side of his slightly used car. I, I want to buy one with dents already in them, in it, so that when he comes home with a dent, it will complement the dents that are already there. So he, he, he kind of got the picture of what I was looking for, and I looked down the aisle, and there was a Honda Civic, that looked like it had followed a little too closely to a truck that was in front of it and had some damage to the hood. I said, like that Honda Civic down there. He looked at me, he said, but that car has damage. I know, I said, I'm not looking for a normal car. I'm looking for one that has damage to it. Well, he said, well, I'll have to sell that car to you as is. By as is, he meant that this wasn't the normal way he sells cars. By as is, what he meant is that there could be something else wrong with that car other than a bent hood, but he's not going to tell me. You know, as I've thought about that and thought about the relationships we engage in, you know, we're a lot like that Honda Civic. We come into relationships as is. We come in with damage. None of us is perfect. All of us have problems or issues that we come into the relationship. We have flaws. But I'm not going to tell you my flaws. I mean, you're going to have to discover them in the relationship. I mean, maybe it's an out-of-control temper or it could be a passive spirit. It might be a harsh tongue or a tendency to deceive. All those things will impact the relationship that we have with one another. Maybe you've seen the movie As Good As It Gets. In it, uh, Helen Hunt is confused about her relationship with Jack Nicholson. Now, you need to know that Jack Nicholson is a neurotic, obsessive, compulsive, terminally offensive individual. I mean, if rudeness were measured in square miles, he would be the state of Texas. 
So uh, Helen Hunt has this on-again-off-again relationship with Nicholson, and then in one scene, she kind of loses it. Watch the video screen. Hunt complains, I just want a normal boyfriend. And her mother steps in and offers some surprising wisdom, doesn't she? Everybody wants that, dear. It doesn't exist. You see, we live with the illusion that people are normal, but normal doesn't exist. We're like the car I was buying my son. We all have flaws. We all have damage. And that damage can impact our relationships and make us mad. Now, one of the first steps in having healthy relationship with abnormal, as is people, is you've got to begin to understand the anatomy of the anger we naturally feel. Did you know anger is one of the most common responses to being offended? And probably one of the best places to go to understand the anatomy of anger, the anger we always feel, we all feel, is to look at the words of an old Jewish rabbi named Paul. I want you to notice what he says. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I mean, you read that and you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did I read that correctly? I mean, Paul said we are to be angry. I mean, expecting to say, don't be angry. But Paul tells us to be angry. And in this short little tweet, Paul makes an extremely profound statement on how we can successfully engage in relationships with one another. You see, when we're offended, we all experience an emotion. And for all of us, it's the same emotion. And we don't like it. We want to zoom right by it. We want to ignore this emotion. And that's the emotion of hurt. You see, when I'm offended, I feel hurt. And when you're offended, you feel hurt. But none of us in this room likes feeling hurt. So we have a tendency to cover that hurt over with anger. Now, why is that? It's because anger is you focused. Where, where hurt is me focused. And to acknowledge hurt makes me feel vulnerable. That's risky because when I feel vulnerable, I feel like I've given you the upper hand. But anger fools me into thinking I've got the upper hand. Anger makes me feel like I'm right, you're wrong. Anger fools me into thinking I'm in control. But it's a lie. So anger must be a bad thing. Well, not necessarily. I mean, how you handle the anger you feel tells you whether it's good or bad. Remember back in the verse, Paul says, be angry, but don't sin. So there must be a healthy way to deal with the anger we feel. Emotions like anger are like the lights that go off on the dashboard of your car. I mean, when the light comes on flashing, the engine is overheating, what do you do? Do you put a piece of tape over it and just keep driving? No, you'll ruin your engine. Do you pull into the garage and tell the attendant, something's wrong with this light? Absolutely not. No, you pull into the garage, you show the attendant the light, and what does he do? He says, pop the hood of your car. And he looks under the hood to see what's really going on in the engine of the car. Well, emotions are just like that. There are lights that go off on the dashboard of our life. 
And they tell you what's going on under your hood. And understanding what's going on under your hood is the key to good emotional health. So anger, well, it's really an opportunity, isn't it? It's an opportunity to look under the hood, to see what's going on inside of you, to resolve the issues inside of you. So when we feel angry, we've got to ask ourselves, I mean, what, what's really going on inside? I mean, under my hood, what could this anger be covering up? Do you know there are three things we do with the anger we feel? I mean, first of all, we can suppress it. Suppressing anger means you just kind of hold it below the surface. In other words, you know you're angry, but you don't communicate it. Uh, You keep a lid on it, and that can be quite useful in a number of situations. Say you're at at a dinner party with your spouse, and your spouse makes a a snide comment about the way you look in front of a friend. And it hurts your feelings. And you feel angry. And after thinking about it for a moment, you realize, well, that anger is really covering up the hurt I felt. I felt betrayed by my spouse in public. But you can't get into it right there at the dinner party. No, it's inappropriate. So you hold it under the surface, just below the surface. You know it's there. And on the drive home, you bring it up and you talk about how that hurt your feelings. And you resolve it. Uh, There's a second way you can deal with anger. You can suppress the anger we feel or we can repress the anger we feel. Now, repressing means that you suppress it so long, you hold it under the surface so long, that you begin to lose touch with it. I mean, either consciously or subconsciously, you cram it down so deep you become unaware of it, but it doesn't go away. You've lost touch with it. But the problem with repressed anger is that it resurfaces. Now, it can resurface as depression or procrastination, blame casting, panic attacks. It can resurface as forgetfulness, anxiety, critical spirit, hypochondria. Or it can resurface as irritable bowel syndrome. Or passive-aggressive tendencies, or maybe ulcers or just outbursts of anger. In fact, repressing your anger is probably something you learned in childhood in your family of origin. I mean, maybe your parents never taught you to deal with emotions in a healthy fashion that you could identify them and talk about them. Or maybe in your family, anger was a bad thing. And so you never learned what it meant to express your anger in a constructive way. So you don't even recognize at times that you are angry. Do you know there are three different kinds of anger we express? I mean, the first is situational anger. Now, situational anger, it's appropriate anger. In other words, someone insults you. They make a comment designed to hurt you, and you feel angry over that comment, or maybe you feel appropriately hurt, and that's okay. That's very appropriate. Nothing wrong with that. That's situational anger. But there's also displaced anger. Now, this is anger that comes from somewhere else. 
You're sitting at the table. You accidentally knock over the glass of milk, and your spouse jumps down your throat. They're just angry as could be, and you're going, whoa, where did that come from? It's just a little bit of milk. Well, displaced anger is like having an extension cord attached to you. Only the energy in this extension cord comes from somewhere else. So you've got to ask yourself the question, why did I respond like that? You're not sure. So you've got to take the cord and you've got to start tracing that energy back to its source. and Back to its origin. Where did all that energy, that anger come from? And when you do, you get back and you discover, well, here it is. And you remember your spouse forgot your birthday two weeks earlier. I mean, you understood why. They were on a business trip. You thought they would have a birthday party when you came back home, when he came or she came back home. But they didn't. They just acted like you didn't have a birthday. And that hurt. But you suppressed it, and then it got repressed. You didn't even know it was there. And it comes up over a glass of spilt milk at the supper table. So in order, in order to resolve that anger, what you've got to do is go to your spouse and talk about how much it hurt when they forgot your birthday. That's how you resolve it. So that's displaced anger, but there's a third kind of anger, and it's chronic anger. Now, this anger extends deeper and goes back further than you ever imagined. In fact, this extension cord... Well, it connects to your family of origin. It goes back to childhood. I mean, this thing goes back to how you were raised. I mean, it, it goes back to the things that were modeled for you growing up and how they labeled emotions in your family and how you dealt with hurt and how you dealt with the anger that maybe covered up the hurt. Maybe it was a passive dad whose uninvolvement in your life in those early teenage years has left a wound in your heart. And you're still having to deal with it. Or maybe it was a suffocating mom who really never let you grow up. She made all the decisions for you as a kid. In fact, she's still making decisions for you. And it makes you mad, but you don't go to her and talk to her about it. Or maybe... It was the fact that your parents got a divorce. And you always wondered, was it your fault? Maybe if you'd been a better kid, they would still be together. And so you trace this anger all the way back to its source. So to deal with this anger, you, the, the, the anger you're feeling right now in the present... You've got to trace it all the way back to the source of the hurt you didn't deal with in the past. And you've got to face that hurt and you've got to grieve it in order to come full circle on it. Now you understand why Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, when you feel the emotion, 
You need to deal with it right then and there. If you don't engage with the anger in a timely fashion and don't let it lead you back to the hurt that you didn't deal with in the past, instead you suppress it, and then you lose touch with it, you repress it, then you risk bringing a detrimental impact on your relationships in the present. Now, can you see what Paul's saying? He's saying anger is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to look under your hood to see what's really going on. So the question becomes, how do we do that? Well, you can suppress your anger, you can repress it, or you can express it. Now, expressing your anger means that you put words to it. You see, it's not, it's not healthy to stuff your emotions. Stuffing poisons you. And on the flip side, it's not healthy to explode with your emotions, blow them, because blowing ends up poisoning the other person. Now, I tend to be a blower, and my wife, Patty, tends to be a stuffer. Neither one of those is healthy, but you have got to communicate those emotions in order to work work them through. So the question becomes, who do you communicate them with? To whom do we express it? Well, I think Paul would say, number one, you always express it to God. I mean, the Psalms are filled with examples of David expressing his emotions to God from hate to fear to love and joy. I mean, if you you can't honestly express it to God, then you'll never be able to appropriately express it to another human being in a responsible manner. So you go to God and you ask Him to help you trace that anger back to its origins, to the hurt you may or fear you may be covering up. And ask Him to help you understand what's going on under the hood of your life. So you always communicate it to God. Secondly, you should communicate it to man when it's appropriate. So that brings up the question, when is it appropriate? Well, let me give you three criteria. First, when it's not an attempt to establish superiority in a relationship. I mean, many people use anger to gain control in a relationship. Or maybe people use anger inappropriately to keep from uh, keep your spouse at a distance. Some of us use anger like that. Or maybe we use anger to keep from facing weaknesses in our own life. Or we might use it inappropriately just to try to get our own way. Those are all unhealthy applications of anger. Or you can use it in a healthy way, and that is to take a look under your hood to see what's really going on. So when it's not an attempt to express superiority, secondly, uh, you can express it when it has a constructive aim. In other words, anger is beneficial when your desire for expressing it means that you want to explore what's going on under your hood. And it's also beneficial when you want to use it to deepen your relationship with another person. And you talk about it. So you express it when your desire is to resolve the differences between you and another individual. And you can express it thirdly when the feelings and circumstances of the recipient are being considered. In other words, ladies, you don't uh, express your anger to your husband when he walks in the door at 6 o'clock coming home from work. And guys, you don't express it to your wife when she's got two kids strapped to her ankles trying to get supper on the table. You have to take into account the feelings and circumstances of the recipient. So when can you communicate the emotion you're feeling? 
Well, thirdly, when you are able to communicate it appropriately, appropriately. Uh, Several years ago, I came home after church, got home before Patty and our three kids, and I went in the kitchen, made a sandwich, took it in the sunroom, turned on the TV, ate my sandwich, and was watching a ball game on TV. I, I mean, I delivered a sermon that day. I figured I deserved a break. Well, a few minutes later, Patty came in the door with three kids in tow, and she went in the kitchen. She was trying to put together sandwiches. I heard kids complaining about everything. I don't like that. He touched me. Ooh, that doesn't look good. And after a few minutes, Patty came into the sunroom, leaned against the door, and said, Hey, honey, I know you'd want to know this. I just I need to tell you that I feel unappreciated. And taken for granted. You know, when you come in from church, you make your own sandwich, you take it in the sunroom, you turn the TV on, you, you know, eat your sandwich, you watch TV, and you don't help me with the kids. I I just thought you'd want to know that. And just as slowly, with just as much calm, she turned and walked out of the sunroom. Well, I'm sitting there, and I've just listened to what she said, and I want to get defensive. I mean, I want to say, well, I deserve a break today, honey. It was a good sermon, don't you think? But she deserved a bigger break than I did. She got three kids to church clothed and in her right mind. Uh, What I wanted to say is you shouldn't feel that way. But who was I to tell her how she should feel? Her feelings are her feelings. You know what I really wanted to say? That I didn't do it. But that was hard to do with a sandwich in my hand and the TV on. She had thought through her hurt in such a way, instead of getting angry, she put words to it and came and communicated those to me. And it left me to have to deal with the situation. So I put my sandwich down, went in, and said, you know, you're right. I have taken you for granted. Will you forgive me? And she said yes, and I helped her make the sandwiches. Now I want you to notice what Patty said and how she said it. You'll notice on the screen it says, I feel feeling when you fact. Okay, now in that feeling blank, we're going to put some feeling words. Patty got some great feeling words. I feel unappreciated and taken for granted. That's awesome. She just didn't say I'm mad. She analyzed it. She realized she was hurt and I kind of take, took advantage of her. So she came up with those two great words. Now, notice she didn't say, I feel like or I feel that. If she uses the word like or that, the next words out of her mouth are going to be an accusation. I feel like you never help me with the kids. See how easy that is? Now, if she says that, where am I going? I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to go back and remind her six weeks ago when I helped her with the kids. and going to defend myself. So you, gotta, you can't say the word like or that. I feel unappreciated and taken for granted when, and in the fact blank, she just listed some facts. She didn't embellish them, just listed them. I think there were several. You come in from church, you make a sandwich, you take it in the sunroom, you turn on TV, you watch the ball game, and you eat your sandwich and don't help me with the kids. There were seven little facts. She didn't embellish them, she just spoke them as they were. Just that calm. Now, next time you want to communicate emotion, use that little formula. I feel feeling when you fact. 
And it'll feel cumbersome at first, but you'll eventually get the hang of it. You see, in the midst of experiencing the emotions we are facing, we have to take time to think them through so that we don't express them inappropriately, but in a way that deepens the relationships we have with others. Now, I've often thought this. Wouldn't it be great if we wore signs around our neck, warning signs, kind of like road signs, you know, curvy road ahead, or maybe a bumpy road, or steep hill. I mean, say you come into the office on Monday morning, and your boss has got a sign around his neck. It said, had fight with wife. (laughs) Approach with caution. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Your daughter comes home and snaps one-word answers to your questions. The sign around her neck says, betrayed by her best friend today. Or that guy in the office no one likes. His sign reads, abandoned by my dad, age three. Wow. I mean, if we came with signs indicating Really, why we do and say what we do and say, what do you think would happen? Several years ago, I hired, was hiring an administrative assistant. I mean, on the resume, her credentials were um, unbelievable. Her references were impeccable. And so I hired her. But after she'd been uh, on the job for about two or three weeks, I started noticing something. Every time I asked her to do something... She would roll her eyes and sigh deeply. Uh, It made me feel like I was trying to take advantage of her or something. Well, I mean, I started avoiding her. After a while, I thought it's easier for me to do the project than to have to deal with her. And I realized after a month, i got to deal with this. So I invited her into my office and I asked her if everything was okay. She insisted, yeah, everything's just fine. So I brought up the fact that every time I ask her to do something, she acts as if I'm imposing on her. And she said, no, that's not the case at all. And then there was this long, long pause. You could tell she was searching for words. And she said, it's, it's just... It's just, I don't like you. You're mean. <laughs> and I said, well, what do, you, I mean, what do you mean? What have I done to communicate that I am mean? And she's fumbling around with her words. She didn't know what to say. And she said, well, I mean, you're mean. You're just like my ex-husband. You look exactly like him. And for the next ten minutes, she told me how mean and unkind, unloving, unlikable her ex-husband was. Uh, And then she concluded by saying, you know, every time you ask me to do something, it's like he's asking me to do something. And, And I just don't think I can work under that kind of pressure. Wow. Now, from where I said it, we had only three options. I mean, one, she could quit. That's the option I was hoping for. Two, I could get a facelift and change the way I look. (laughs) Or three, she could look under the hood and deal with the anger she felt toward her husband. You know, Paul makes a profound statement to the church in Rome. In this tweet, he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I did not want to do that with her. 
I wanted to fire her. So the question becomes, how do we engage with annoying, irritating, as-is kind of people? Well, what happened next just shocked me. As we sat down and I began asking her questions, I began hearing her story. And the more I heard, the more I realized how hard her life has actually been. And I heard everything about how hard it was with her husband and the kids she raised by herself. And as I listened, it was strange. The annoyance and irritation just began to drift away. And then slowly, it began to be replaced with compassion and empathy toward this woman and what she faced. You see, if we all wore signs around our necks, it would be helpful, but that's really impractical. As human beings, we tend to react to the people we meet. We react to their annoying and irritating behaviors. Uh, That is, unless we choose. Choose to respond. To respond by getting to know a person, asking them questions, drawing them out, seeing what's under their hood, what is going on in their heart, and that is the beginning steps of developing empathy. Empathy means feeling along with somebody. Feeling what they feel. Do you know that's the way God has treated us? I mean, He is so identified with our hurt, our pain, uh, our suffering through Jesus Christ that the book of Hebrews says we can boldly go before the throne of grace and always find grace and mercy in time of need. I want you to listen to the story of a man who did that. Watch the screen. My dream has always been, since coming out of the womb, is to be rich and successful because it was everything we didn't have. My father deserted us. Grew up in a single-family home before that was fashionable in America. I had no supervision, no father image. I really was rebellious. By the time I was 15, I was out of the house. I got shipped to Taiwan ostensibly so I could learn Chinese because I told my mother over and over I hated Chinese I hated to be Chinese I told her I wanted to be white in in Mountjoy Iowa there were no other Chinese people and I wanted to so so much I wanted to fit in and basically I had no identity so here I am in Taiwan and now I got worse problems because where I, where I felt so Chinese in Iowa, now I'm really not fitting in because I am in China and I am so American. And then went to UCLA, joined the Jewish fraternity, and I remember that in the middle of the 60s, a guy named Hal Lindsey came to town. And he converted three of our fraternity brothers out of a Jewish fraternity. I knew in my heart that there was something real. And if these guys that we respected, who were Jewish, would accept this Jesus as as their Messiah. To make a long story short, I uh, crammed four years into five. 
Got into trouble with the draft, joined ROPC. Before I knew it, I was in Gießen, Germany on a missile site. Here I am in Gießen, Germany. No meaning to my life. Just a loser. Just not functioning in life. All the guys in Germany were back from Vietnam. Here they are talking about killing gooks and them. I'm looking in the mirror saying, wait a minute, I think I'm a gook to these guys. It could not fit in. So I got real alienated. I'm stoned all the time. And, I, and now my wife's leaving me. And uh, I was just at the low point in my life. That's when a couple named uh, June and David Otis, uh, they were Department of Defense civilians. They just became our friends. We had no friends. Invited us to their home and uh, just shared their lives with us. One night over dinner, my wife says, why are, why are you guys so different from other people? Um, why are we different? Well, we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they just started talking about it as if it was like a friend or a a college buddy or somebody that was living next door and and uh, and so my wife got so interested and you know I started to see her life change and we were no longer fighting uh, she was looking at me differently and it was just inevitable I just capitulated I just remember being in a coffee house downtown Gieson and I just felt the love of God it was <laughs> it was so strong and uh, it just uh, it just overwhelmed me. So I went home that night, and uh, I said, you know, "I'm just really not uh, proud of what I am." And if you're out there, and uh, I think if you love me, I'd like to be uh, I'd like to be uh, included. I'd like to be. I don't know if I understood his family stuff, but I mean, I, I don't know if I really understood him as a father, but I really wanted him. I knew I was a new creature. Anyway, my life went straight up. I got a job at Goldman Sachs. I made so much money that I, I, I achieved my dream. But I, I knew that this was not what life would be about. We have to fill this void this God-shaped void. You can't just be happy with materialism. It doesn't satisfy you. You know, there's just countless stories about guys who have given up their lives to follow Jesus. When you uh, let go and take his life, that is when you find it. You know, so today, if, if you want to replace anger with, with empathy, we've given you uh, some little cards, some ancient tweets from God that talk about how you can do this and improve your relationship. The two verses we covered are on this sheet. I want to encourage you to tear them apart and put them in places where you could review them during the week. I mean, for some of us today, just identifying the hurt that lies beneath the anger is a new thought for us. Uh, for some of us, it's uh, kind of challenging to think about how do I express the anger I feel or the hurt I feel constructively. But for many of us, the most challenging thing will 
be able to focus in on another person with empathy, feeling along with them by asking them questions, seeing what's going on under their hood. Use this, these card verses in order to engage with God and ask Him to help you in this whole process. I want you to know change can happen. I mean, you could see it in Lee Yi's story on the screen. So if you have any questions about that kind of change, about Lee's story, or about what we covered this morning, I want to encourage you to drop by the uh, hearth room. Third door on the left as you leave. We have some people down there that would love to engage with you. If you have questions about Horizon, drop by as well. If you came prepared to give, offering boxes are just outside the door. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for coming.